we try to make sure that there are no surprises yeah <laughs> and like a lot of other sort of fast growing companies there's so much to manage so many things to do at the same time that it's helpful to know that maybe the 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 finance team is a little on top of what's in the bank account <laughs> oh yeah how does that fit in to a cohesive larger vision We will always have enough cash around. Strictly business. It's business. It's just business. Howdy, finance leaders, and welcome to CFO Year, your new favorite finance podcast. I'm Patrick, and I get to speak with finance experts who are shaping the futures of the world's most exciting businesses. In this edition, I spoke with Jan Gackenholtz of SoundCloud, the world's largest open music and audio platform for creators and listeners. He joined to build the FPNA team in late 2015 and is now responsible for the whole finance department of 18 people, as well as SoundCloud's workplace team. SoundCloud really needs no introduction. Founded in Berlin in 2007, the site hosts more than 20 million audio creators from virtually every country on earth, sharing over 200 million tracks. Having raised more than $500 million in funding, SoundCloud secured $75 million from satellite radio company Sirius XM in early 2020. And of course, we spoke about that in this episode. We also spoke about COVID's impact on cash, both good and bad, SoundCloud's revenue sharing model with artists, and upgrading from Excel to new cloud tools. As always, this show is brought to you by CFO Connect, a global community for finance leaders. Join us at cfoconnect.eu and you can email podcast at cfoconnect.eu with any questions or feedback. Jan Gackenhals, welcome to CFO Year. Hi, Patrick. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're very happy to have you. And I would love to start, um, as usual, at the beginning, uh, just by having you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your finance journey so far. Sure. Um, I, I'm the VP Finance and Operations at SoundCloud, and um, I have the pleasure of uh, yeah, looking after finance, number one. And number two, um, after our workplace function, which basically is responsible for our offices uh, across the world and or the, you know, the locations that we have. Um, and, you know, I've, I've sort of run the finance function for a little while now. I've been with SoundCloud for five years, uh, slightly more than five years now. Quite an interesting journey uh, to be part of. And lots of things have happened at SoundCloud since I joined. That was really very interesting. Um, before that, I um, used to work at an online payments company. Um, I didn't do finance as such. I worked very closely with the CFO and the CEO there in a corporate development function, um, which meant I was always close to the numbers. Um, before that, I was in management consulting and I actually started my professional life, if you like, in investment banking. Um, and so, you know, throughout the last, well, 14 years of my life, 15 years almost, I have spent a lot of time very close to many numbers. And have you always been a, a numbers finance driven kind of person? Um, I, I always wanted to um, to work with, um, you know, finance stuff. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I I started off in banking because banking allowed me to do various things and maybe not specify myself or, you know, um, decide on a career for, forever initially. And it opened up a lot of paths um, that, that I enjoyed. 
Um, and yes, I've always, you know, I've always, you know, in my childhood played, I don't know, some of the, the board games that had to do with money, uh, Monopoly being one of them, <laughs> these sort of things. Yeah, so, you, were the, you were the banker, always the banker. Yeah, the banker, and then also the one trying to make the money, you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a competitive element to this. It's the name of the game. Yeah. Uh, what what drew you to SoundCloud? Um, lots of things, to be honest. Um, you know, this this company I was at before was a very interesting play, uh, player in the online payments industry. Um, we had sold the company, and so, you know, there was various things that have happened and uh, was a good opportunity for me to move on. Um, and as it happened back in the days, you know, SoundCloud uh, was looking for somebody to yeah, take the FPNA function at SoundCloud to the next level. Um, and I ended up, you know, um, joining the team and, and building up the FPNA function, not quite from scratch, but, you know, with a, with a relatively small team. And we, we then grew into something slightly bigger. Um, and that was one of the things that drew me to it. And also the fact that I could, you know, start something from scratch and leave a little bit of a mark maybe. The other thing um, was that back in those days, SoundCloud was, you know, monetizing only one part of its platform. And, you know, there was a big ambition to monetize the other parts. So commercially and then strategically, there were very interesting um, things to do. And then the other thing that drew me to it, and one of the key reasons, you know, why I'm still very happy there is, is it's got a very special culture. And, um, you know, it's a very interesting um, company with lots of interesting people. And so in summary, I think it's, you know, the opportunity to do something you know, build something as a team, um, then a commercial strategic aspiration that I found interesting, and then the culture and the people that uh, were there and are still there. I'm sure the vast majority of people listening will know of SoundCloud. <laughs> but for the few who don't, uh, perhaps you could just give us an introduction. Um, yeah, SoundCloud is a is a bit of a unique uh, one, I, I, I should think. Um, we basically serve both sides of the music industry in the sense that we are an open platform, if you will, and we have the the mission to you know connect the you know or to 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 give people the opportunity to connect um, through music and share music, and you know with that mission we we've ended up building what we can proudly define or call the the world's largest music and audio platform um, that allows people to discover, you know, content that they may not find on other streaming services, if you like. And it really is an extraordinary company from that aspect, the number of um, now famous musicians mm -hmm. and even podcasts and, and, yeah. and spoken word hosts and all that, all those different um, formats which have, who have come through SoundCloud. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's, it's again something that you know is very interesting about the situation we are in. We we are not, you know, the classic streaming service like like you know some of the big names that everybody will also recognize. But we are trying. We are we are actively trying to you know do do things slightly differently and um, position ourselves as such too. Um, and we've had some great success stories. Uh, we've had a lot of interesting artists um, start their careers on SoundCloud and then grow into something very big. Some have decided to not necessarily join a label, but continue to be somewhat independent in their musical or music life, a musician's life. Um, and we give them an opportunity to do that. And I think that's really interesting, um, you know, an interesting place to be. Mm, and there's a really great um, experimental aspect to a lot of the music on SoundCloud as well. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of 
first takes of things mm -hmm. that are intentionally not finished, not polished, but mm -hmm. still the artist is so excited to share. I really like that. Yeah, and I'm pleased to hear that. And it sounds like you are an active user of the platform, which I appreciate. Not, yeah, not a not an artist, but a listener. I yeah, know. sure. But, um... You mentioned sort of in passing earlier um, the business model, mm -hmm. and I and I'm interested. We're interested in knowing what that is because, as you've described, it's kind of part streaming service, part social network. Yeah. But then you also have the artist side. Yeah. Um, so how, yeah, how do you sort of summarize the business model? Yeah, so um, I guess the easiest way to think about it is that it's a platform in the middle yeah, that connects you know, the people who generate content and those who want to consume content. Um, and then we basically monetize um, yeah, uh, things on both sides of the platform too. We have standard freemium models, if you like, you know, where people can sign up as a creator or as a listener. Uh, with the free product initially, and then um, they turn into they can turn into a, a, a subscription that they can pay for. Um, we also generate advertising revenue on the listener side, um, which you know, you know, is, is revenue that that is put into a pot that we distribute and share with the rights holders of the music or the content that's on the platform. Um, and so, you know, we have this very unique position that we actually serve creators and um, you know listeners alike. We then also have acquired in 2019 a business in the US called Repost, which provides creator services and helps you know the artists and the creators in particular not only to distribute their content, but we also you know help them manage themselves and, and you know market themselves and maybe you know potentially become somewhat bigger in the industry and, and you know, continue their journey throughout the music uh, scene. And so, you know, we we are there to pick them up early if they want to, and we can help them grow. Hmm. And so there's a relatively diverse revenue. Th there are relatively diverse revenue streams. Does that mm -hmm. create specific challenges for you on the finance side? Um, <clears throat> I mean, the, the, yes. Yes and no. I mean, to some extent, you know, they are somewhat, if you think about a subscription and an advertising model or freemium model that's standardized these days, I guess, on the internet. Yeah. Um, what's interesting about the way we do it is that we have, um, you know, we, we are sharing the revenue on the listener side with the creators and the, the rights holders. Um, and doing that is subject to some very complex and, you know, lengthy calculations and Things that we need to do to make sure that the right people are compensated with the right amounts. The the music industry itself is um, you know based on a very complex legal framework, and to put that into yeah algorithmic and then you know financial calculations is something that is you know not easy and that's probably somewhat different to a few other finance setups. But we have some very complex calculations running in the background, absolutely. Does it become any more complex given that it's international? Are you dealing with different, I don't know, mm -hmm. tax systems and, and expectations mm -hmm. from governments and all things like that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the and I guess that's not necessarily. I mean, that's not only the case for the music industry. You know, the the whole tax world is very uh, you know diverse around the world, um, and all of us in the tech industry, we are very quick and very fast with moving into markets and into places and things and. Um, we find that the the, the local requirements and uh, compliance needs are always slightly different in 
places. Yeah, so absolutely. And as you grow a company and and you know the revenues, the numbers become bigger. You need to make sure that you uh, keep track of all of these things. It's more countries, more things that can go wrong. Um, so absolutely, you know, there's complexities with you know growing the business and and you know internationalizing. Absolutely, yeah. I'd love to turn now to your role in the company. You're the VP of Finance and Operations. What exactly does that mean? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, we, we don't have a CFO at um, SoundCloud. So what we what we have is a setup where, um, you know, I run the operational side of finance and, you know, we are in a pretty comfortable position at the moment, but we don't have a, a CFO as such who would be doing some of the, the work that maybe other companies have a CFO for. Um, so my role at the moment is very much making sure that the numbers are there in time, that they're right, um, and you know everybody has access to them, and we can use them as a sound basis to make you know day-to-day decisions. Um, and we do this by you know dividing the the finance team into three or four sub teams, if you like. You know the classic accounting functions. We have an FP&A team. Then we also have a team that looks after these royalty calculations, which are um, those specific you know compensations we pay to the the rights holders and then i also have somebody on the team who um, is very good at helping us to do headcount planning (laughs) because i think that's 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 one of these aspects you know that everybody not everybody but some people actually underestimate yeah if you think about tech firms and and internet companies um we are all very asset light and and the the um, headcount related side of things is a key cost for us and we actually try to devote and spend some time to make sure that we get this right so we have somebody actually looking at headcount and quite in detail and then the other thing i look after like i said is what we call our workplace function which basically means our office locations in europe and the us and where i have a couple of teams who yeah, make sure that when people are at the office they are safe and you know the office is functioning well, let's talk funding now. Um, obviously, SoundCloud has done a fair amount of fundraising in its time. Uh, yeah. But in February 2020, there was a particular deal with Sirius XM. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you could just tell us about that process and, and how you found it and, and whether it was enjoyable. <laughs> um, super exciting. I mean, fundraising is always great. Yeah, It's, um, it's a lot of work. A lot of people could probably relate to that, um, but it's super interesting. Um, yeah, you know, in hindsight, it was wonderfully timed i have to say you know we we closed this deal in the middle of february um and this thing called COVID had begun but nobody expected how good or bad it would be and you know going into this whole COVID situation just with the funding round completed was actually a very luxurious position to be in and so the timing was actually quite quite good um when it comes to the you know the process itself i mean you know many people listening to this podcast may know how this this works but you know, we and we we went through a normal due diligence process, um, quite a detailed uh, one with uh, you know our advisors, and we spoke to lots of people. You know, be it financial investors, uh, but also strategic partners, and, and you know companies that could be working or want willing to work with us. Um, and we ended up, you know, after quite quite a diligent process with our friends from SiriusXM. Who are a strategic, um, you know, partner, and um, we work with them on another level, or we had worked with them on another level prior to this deal already. We have a distribution agreement in the U.S. and um, through one of their 
companies called Pandora, and um, you know there was some overlaps in place, and that made it all very sensible, and 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 you know uh, was a good partnership that we established. And what I did, um, I managed, if you like, the the information flow, the financial information flow. Yeah? There's a classic due diligence process, and we have a very good team. Um, running this uh, process because SoundCloud has done quite a few fundraisings um, and yeah it's, it's been a very successful team exercise lots of people playing into this and specifically what we then do in finance is we we help you know the external parties understand how you know finance financial aspects of SoundCloud operate and work and then there's a lot of stuff to be addressed when it comes to the forward-looking side of you know, financial planning and where we want to take the company. And so we went through the classic Q&A process and, you know, explaining things um, to a great level of detail in many, many instances. Do you think it's fundamentally different from if you'd gone with a VC firm instead? Uh, the fact that you went with a company with Sirius, is that different from going with sort of a fund? Um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think, um, you know, the classic VC, I mean, we, you, you, there are venture capital companies who invest in, you know, portfolio companies or startups that haven't generated any revenue. Yeah? They have an idea and a team and VCs and very early stage investors provide, you know, the cash to, you know, help them think and develop about an idea. And that's how it started at SoundCloud too. Um, you know, the, Eric and Alex, the founders, have raised some capital very early on from very interesting venture capital firms. As the company then grows, you know, some of these VCs are probably still interested to talk to you, but really, it's all about um, you know addressing another spectrum of the financial investor scene, I guess. Yeah? And you think there's there's other funds who are prepared to take or not prepared to take as much risk, so. They, they want to see more traction and more more um, revenue and cash and, and, and all these sort of things. Um, and so to, to come back to your question, I think the VCs are very keen on team and idea and big market. Um, you know, SoundCloud's quite an established company, actually, if you think about it. There, it's, it's a bit more about, you know, making sure that this risk profile is the right one for um, potentially people with bigger coffers too. Yeah? I mean, some of the funds and some of the, Companies that look at later stage um, investments have have to meet bigger price tags now. And the companies have grown, and there's more value to be um, participated in, and so they have to come in at a higher valuation, which again means they have a different process and um, do it slightly differently than some of the VC firms do it at the very beginning. If you're enjoying this conversation, then you've got to check out CFO Connect, the global community for modern finance leaders, like the ones on this podcast. We host monthly events and workshops, have a private Slack group for CFOs, and a one-on-one -on -one member matching program. CFO Connect membership is free, but reserved for experienced finance leaders. So if that's you, head over to cfoconnect.eu and apply to join us. You mentioned that one of the nice things about joining SoundCloud was being able to grow your team from scratch. Um, perhaps you could sort of tell us about that process and how you found it. Um, and, uh, you know, not quite from scratch in the sense that, you know, there was an FP&A um, function in place. Uh, it was, you know, not as big in terms of headcount as it is today. Um, and 
it was, you know, it had gone through the classic, I guess, startup setup in the sense that you had somebody very diligently building up a very complex and intelligent financial model in Excel, for instance, yeah, and that would then be fed by various other sources throughout the organization and, um, you know, in a, in a very good um, spot. But if you think about the growth trajectory of any company, you know, at some point, things get bigger, you know, processes need more time and all these sort of things. And so I was tasked with, you know, taking this function away from you know, doing things at the by the sidelines and, and, you know, not having only an Excel file, if you like, but rather using it all to, you know, set up with a, a slightly more decentralized budgeting process, for instance. I think that's one of the things that I was very keen on <clears throat> to make sure that it's the dependency on, on one individual looking after an Excel file um, is, you know, at some point reduced as much as possible. And, and that's kind of the things I did. I, I ended up, you know, hiring a few people into the team and we at some point walked away from this Excel file and we used a cloud-based planning tool, which we use today still. Um, and that was really very interesting. And so, um, you know, with the growth of the company, you know, you need more visibility into your financials on a daily basis. And with that, you just need more, I guess, attention to it. And that's that's what you then do in FPNA. You, you know, you you start scenario planning and all these sort of things and strategic conversations. You you chime in on growth plans and all that stuff. Um, and that's what we did. You spoke to CFO Connect in the past um, for an article. And in it, you said that you had moved away from Excel and from Google Sheets to more cloud-based tools. Is the goal there really to have more actionable and up-to-date data? Um, yeah, absolutely. That. Um, I mean, that that's that's one thing that played into this. Um, but two other things were also very important. And number one is this concept of these. I mean, decentralization sounds so big, but you know, if you think about financial planning process, let's say that actually there's a lot of things that happen in parallel. And if you have it all condensed and compiled in one, you know, very big Excel file, there's always this dependency and there's always somebody who has to, you know, put this all in. And, and you know, if you like the, the person looking after this Excel file is always the last one to go home. And that's, a, that's something that I, I thought was, you know, something we could maybe change. Um, that's one aspect. And the other bit is, um, you know, Excel is highly flexible um, and, uh, you know, one of the great tools and everybody uses it in finance, but there's also, um, you know, the chance to make mistakes. Yeah? And um, if you if, if you grow the numbers and your, your planning exercise and all these things and your controlling exercise or your controlling process becomes more, yeah, rigid, I actually find it helpful to also have something that's a bit less flexible because it helps people or it takes people by the hand a bit more and you can make sure that, um, you know, everything that goes into this tool, be it for planning, but also for analysis purposes is actually 100% correct. And, you know, certain things can only be done in a certain way. So there's quality assurance um, also involved. So that's the reasons why, why we, you know, wanted to do this and, you know, installed it. And, and basically what we do now is we use it pretty much on a day-to-day -day basis to run scenarios and, you know, have people, multiple people chime in into this at the same time. And that's really quite um, exciting. Yeah. And has that speed become more valuable over the last year? Uh, obviously, a lot of companies are reforecasting at a really, really high rate at the moment. 
Um, is that the same for you guys? And, and have you really benefited from having this data available? Yeah, and um, absolutely. I mean, what we do is we we have a weekly sort of business review anyway, right, where we look at lots of things happening on the business side and the the, the, the revenue driving side of the platform, which then also means cost for us yeah, because we have this ref share model. So um, we are very close to this on a day-to-day basis. But then also what we have established at SoundCloud, I can't remember, two, three years ago, three years ago, it must have been, is a is a planning cycle where we actually sort of plan on a recurring basis. Yeah, we I mean we have a quarterly reforecasting exercise. We have the classic one year budget, but then every quarter we have an, an estimate we call it of this um, of the latest information there. And so you know our budgeting process is somewhat reduced in scope, but we do this every three months anyway, if you like. Yeah, and that's that's quite helpful. Um, and doing that was tremendously helpful throughout you know 2020 and this whole COVID situation I mean not only because we came up or we had to do given our normal sequence uh, reforecasting exercise in March or April of 2020 um, i.e when this whole thing blew up (laughs) Um, but also because we then did it a few more times yeah and so that actually helped us to be very close to the numbers and um, throughout the throughout the period Um, and yeah it was an extraordinary (laughs) Yeah, but we've been blessed with being quite close to it throughout the events. Did did COVID have a particular impact on the industry? Um, yeah, and you can see it in these publicly available, you know, filings, if you like. If you look at Spotify and Netflix and all these streaming services, I mean, they've done very well. We, we have that too, and we've seen that too, which is nice. Um, we have had a tremendous amount of volatility in the advertising revenue, and I think that's normal. Yeah, lots of people will have seen that. If you have a, a advertising based business model, then you 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 that that tends to be the stuff people cut first if there is you know trouble on the horizon. Um, so we had that, and then on the on the creator side of things, we actually also had you know an uptick in the sense that you know we were an alternative for creators to turn to um, and and we also gave them the opportunity to maybe pick up some of our products at a reduced price and we tried to help them and we stood in for them and because you know we realized very quickly that this situation that COVID brought together would lead to some of these artists and creative folk out there um, being in a very tough situation in the sense that they couldn't do their normal you know gigs and concerts and all these things and so we tried to help them and you know we installed we gave them you know a lot of attractive offers for the key products um, on the creator side but then we also made sure that there is a i don't know very simplistically but we introduced a, a paypal button on the profile where people could you know you know help the artists directly yeah? and not through us but you know there would be a paypal button on the soundcloud profile and the artist could receive some you know tips and funds from people who would like to support them. And that is something that we also did, which was helpful. And we put some capital aside. We actually um, came up with this concept of um, a SoundCloud fund that we um, specifically put aside where we want to, you know, prepay some of the artists and give them, you know, what we call advanced payments to make sure that they, you know, recoup or have, have, you know, capital to get over some of these tough periods and then recoup that uh, money over the usage uh, throughout SoundCloud. How do you and your team interact with other business units in the company? 
what's your role as a sort of service provider, I suppose? Yeah, um, I mean, you, this term called business partners, yeah, it's maybe a bit overstretched, but it is. I think that's what we we very actively try to do. And we try to do this across the finance function, yeah, um, you know, starting from accounting, where we need to make sure that we get all these, you know, actuals in and, and we pay the right bills and all these sort of things. So there's a very direct line of communication between accounting and the, the people who do stuff. Yeah? If you think about a marketing team or something, they, they you know, they buy marketing um, and we need to make sure that you know the, the bills are settled in time and so we, we try to be very close to that um, on the FPNA side absolutely I mean then the idea is that you know FPNA reflects what the business teams and, and you know the strategic uh, aspirations are um, and and they have a very constant dialogue the the whole royalty side of things i.e this you know the computation of the contributions or amounts we pay to artists is by the nature of its process hugely um, uh, cross-functional, and and you know the the teams there are very highly engaged with lots of people throughout the the entity and the company, and that's really interesting to see. So yeah, absolutely, we try to be very close to to the company, which at the moment um, is a bit more difficult. Yeah, and we all have this Zoom fatigue, but um, you know we try to hold it up, even though. Um, it's a bit more difficult these days than it may have been in the past. We miss the normal interactions and the face-to-face -face communications, um, but there's lots of video calls going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you found any, um, well, I mean, any big wins in terms of overcoming that Zoom fatigue? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, what we've um, introduced a little while ago in, in finance and SoundCloud is that um, in the mornings, you know the finance team are actually allowed to skip meetings and not do meetings yeah and and we we call this finance make time and everybody has if you like a dedicated slot where there we where we can do stuff and we we focus on this this deep work if you like um and then there is a bit more room if you like and flexibility available sort of in the afternoon to have some of these video calls and um, that's I think a, a construct that you know we put in place two three years ago but it's actually been quite helpful throughout the COVID situation and then plus um, on some of the teams we actually have daily stand-ups now yeah and very much like an engineering team um, they would come together for 15 minutes every I don't know let's say 12 noon and and catch up and talk about things very quickly because then they would go back into their respective home offices and not see each other for a little while. So, um, you know, we, we've introduced that, which I think, I mean, helped, I mean, generates Zoom time clearly. Um, but then I also, we also did a lot of stuff within the company to help people disconnect and, you know, um, yeah, we, we, we have events going on uh, again through Zoom, but maybe not so business related. So there's a lot of stuff we try to do. And that I imagine is falling under your scope as the VP of the, the operations side. The yeah, exactly. The, yes, the, the workplace function is the one that's responsible for these events. Yes. How can your teams add the most value possible to the company? <laughs> Um, yeah, two things. One is number one, we can measure, we can make stuff measurable, yeah, and and you know the the capital allocation and making sure that we guide and tell help people understand how their decisions on a day to day basis um, impact you know certain things and ultimately some of our financial position. 
Um, so measurement of return is the one aspect. Um, and the other one, and to some extent that's linked, you know, we try to make sure that there are no surprises. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like a lot of other sort of fast growing companies, there's so much to manage, so many things to do at the same time that it's helpful to know that maybe the the, the finance team is a little on top of what's in the bank account. <laughs> and that's, you know, if, what we try to do. Are you closely connected in a work sense to, I imagine there's a lot of more artistic, an artistic side to the workforce. That... Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I'm probably the only one who doesn't play an instrument. <laughs> Are they interested in what's happening in finance? Do you have a dialogue going back and forth or do those kind of segments of the company live quite separately? No, I mean, there's absolutely people who, um, you know, want to understand what, what's going on in finance. In fact, I think we have a very open-minded workforce altogether and you know they're always keen to learn. And we actually also make a conscious effort to explain things maybe a bit more than than some other you know companies are doing. I, you, you may know this, but finance can work a lot with acronyms and, and things that nobody understands, right? So we make an extra effort to understand what FPNA means or EBTA and all these sort of things terms that you know are standard language to many finance people we try to explain somewhat to people who may not know these things um that's one thing we do and then again i think the the people at soundcloud are you know quite close to you know the creative scene and, and you know artists themselves in many cases and they then also within the finance world actually bring a slightly different perspective to things and that's really quite helpful and interesting as well Okay, well, I'm, I want to thank you for your time. But before I let you go, five quick questions that we like to finish every episode. Are you ready? Yeah. Great. Um, what is one finance tool that you couldn't live without? <laughs> we have gone uh, cloud-wise, you know, to the cloud with our planning tool, but I have to say it's probably Excel. <laughs> what, is the, what is the planning tool, if you're able to say? Adaptive Insights. If there was one part of your day-to-day -day that you could outsource completely and forget about, what would it be? Yeah, that's a tough question. Um, you know, I'm learning a lot. Um, I mean, the tech side of the world is very complex and I'm, I'm enjoying learning a lot about it. Um, but it's maybe something that, you know, I mean, we, we work with a great tax advisor and so to some extent it's outsourced. We also have very good people internally and looking after that stuff, but that's something that's, um, you know, comes to my mind. What is the best advice you've ever received? Um, the best advice I have ever received is probably to ask why. And, you know, if you're ever confronted with something and the statement, uh, the question why um, helps a lot. And I've, I've had somebody tell me if you ask why three times, then you probably are very close to the bottom of it all. Which other finance leaders do you talk to or learn from regularly? Um, so the, the, we, in, in Berlin, and you will notice there's a few networks um, that, that you know I find quite helpful um, to connect with every now and then. Um, we also have one of our investors is a fund called Union Square Ventures, and they are very active around you know networking these things. And so I spend a lot of not not a lot of time, but you know I take a lot of effort to participate in some of the usb conversations do you have a process for that do you set aside a certain amount of hours each week or or do you just sort of let it happen organically 
Yeah, I, I let it happen. Um, I, I should probably spend more time on that stuff um, because it's always good to talk and, and educate oneself. Um, but I, I'm a bit more reactive than I am active in this whole game. Okay, and finally, why did you join CFO Connect? Um, I mean, that's one of these networks, yeah? and it's it's really interesting to to speak to people and have other thoughts. You know, there are some spe specific bits that we need to discuss every now and then, and it's good to have another point of view on just financial matters from other people. Um, and that's really what I what I value uh, about the CFO Connect network. Um, and then we are customers of Spendesk, um, which is also something that you know plays into this, I guess. Happy to hear that. <laughs> Jan Gackenholz, thank you for joining us on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. CFO Year is brought to you by CFO Connect, the fastest growing global community for finance leaders. Join us for webinars and workshops, get our expert resources, and be a part of an exclusive Slack group just for CFOs. Join the community and exchange ideas with CFOs from the most exciting companies in the world. Just visit cfoconnect.eu.